Great to be with you again this morning. Hey, um, if you have not been tracking along with us, let me tell you where we're at. We've been spending actually a really long chunk of time working through the first half of Acts. And we've been thinking about um, all of the different adventures and stories and different things that the apostles got up to. And we've been sort of working our way through systematically through, I mean, Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. And that's what it's really about. That's what this book really is. Jesus's followers um, who, who originally gathered together as commanded by Jesus, waited on the Spirit, were filled with the Spirit and sent out to be his witnesses. And, and we've been working out together journeying together, thinking together about what it looks like to be a people who wait on the Spirit and then act and then do the things that the Spirit guides us to do. And we've been using the fruit of the Spirit to kind of help us to to spot where the Spirit is on the move. As we've been going through all these different stories, we've been trying to pick out different places where we can see the Holy Spirit bubbling up love bubbling up joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, all those things that the Spirit does in us. We've been, as we've been going through the stories, we've been picking them out and trying to work out where is the Spirit on the move and what are the apostles doing as a response to waiting on him. And it's, I've said this every time, but it's important that we remember that when we read Acts, it's not a checklist of good stuff that we ought to be doing to make ourselves good Christians. It's not a checklist of things that we need to be ticking off so that God will be pleased with us. It's a list and a collection of stories and testimonies of what can happen when we wait on the Spirit. The sort of things that we can expect to see, the sort of miraculous things that we can hope for and dream for in our communities and in our workplaces and in our churches when we wait on the Spirit, when we live those lives in the Spirit. And that's why I've been finding Acts super exciting and I hope you have too. Let me encourage you to, um, if you haven't already, to go back and read it from the beginning of Acts up until where we're at now. We're going into Acts 10 today or do what I've been doing this week and uh, you can listen to it on the Bible app. I've had my headphones in and I've just been listening through over and over again. There's something very special about someone else telling you a story. Uh, so let me recommend if you want a, a different way of reading Acts to just get your headphones in and press play on the Bible app. Um, I can show you how to do that afterwards if you don't know how. Um, It's been amazing to see the stories of the apostles waiting on the Spirit and then being witnesses to Jesus. And last week we spoke about Peter. We were in Acts 9 speaking about Peter. And what we were doing thinking about Peter was the story of Peter raising a girl from the dead. Incredible moment in Acts. And we were thinking about the character of Peter, the person of Peter, and about how Peter was this kind of bumbling, sort of uh, defiant, not really sure who he was kind of character all through the Gospels. And yet we see the journey that Peter has been on to bring him to that moment of going into a room with real authority as the Spirit has moved in him and raising a child from the dead uh, in the name of Jesus. Incredible thing. Uh, Let me encourage you to go back. You can go onto our YouTube channel. You can listen back to all the different talks and stories that we've been journeying through over these last few weeks together. And today I'm going to continue with us on the story of Peter. 
Uh, next week, Mark is going to come and sort of round off Peter because after that, Acts, the book of Acts, kind of shifts into telling Paul's story. Uh, so we're going to be sitting with Peter uh, today and next week as well. I've titled this one this week. It, this, if you want to, if you're taking notes, and you should because you get extra points in heaven if you do that. Um, I've titled this one, He's Already Working. So let's start by reading scripture together. This um, whole story that we're going to sit in this week is the whole chapter of Acts 10, but I'm sort of going to read chunks to us. Uh, But let me encourage you to have it open in front of you if you'd like to, because it'll be helpful. I'm going to start with the first eight verses. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him, had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So we've just met Cornelius. And Cornelius is a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. And that means, that means he's a Roman. He's a Roman soldier. Uh, quite high up Roman soldier as well. A very important character. I don't know if you can think back to when you did the Romans in primary school. Uh, it means that Cornelius would have grown up with the Roman gods and goddesses. Anyone name any? Can you name a Roman god or goddess? Yeah, they're all named after the planets, Mars, Jupiter. Um, all those go- all the- that kind of whole uh, collection of gods and goddesses and worshipping these different gods and goddesses in the home and at the temple. That's the kind of context that Cornelius would have grown up in. And yet we- it doesn't tell us what, but something must have happened to Cornelius along the way because he all of a sudden has become what they call a God-fearer. Him and his family have become God-fearers. And that's what the scripture said. Now, God-fearers was an actual kind of title that groups of people were called. God-fearers were people who followed and had great respect for the God of Israel, but they weren't Jewish. They, weren't, they didn't live by Jewish customs. They didn't live a Jewish lifestyle and they weren't circumcised. And that was Cornelius and his family. Big respect for the God of Israel. They wanted to follow and worship the God of Israel. And it's interesting how Luke, who's the writer of Acts, it's interesting how he sort of uh, defines Cornelius and tells us how Cornelius was God-fearing. It says that he prayed to God regularly and he gave generously to those in need. So if you want a little definition of how maybe people might spot that you are a God-fearer, maybe we need to be people more who pray to God and who give generously to those in need. That's what Cornelius and his family were doing. 
They were praying. They were giving, even though they really weren't in. You know, they weren't people who were in, but they were people who looked from the outside and saw something that they wanted to follow. So Cornelius is praying, and I'm so intrigued to know what Cornelius' prayers were about. To pray to a God who you don't really know, to pray within a community that you're not really part of. Incredible. But Cornelius is praying, and he has a vision of an angel telling him to send for Peter and bring him back. And so that's what Cornelius does. So this is the first thing I wanted to say. He, God, God is already working in other people. God is already working in other people. Cornelius hadn't fully accepted or understood Jesus yet. And yet already he's praying, already he's giving, and already God is speaking to him in visions. He's seeing angels. And I want to suggest to us this morning that people are already praying. God is already on the move in people out there. You know, the people out there who aren't yet in here. God's already on the move. Uh, Last year, the BBC published a survey that they'd done which said that 51% of 18 to 34s pray at least monthly. 51%. So just over half of all 18 to 34s pray pretty regularly. And remember back a couple of weeks ago when uh, Michael Trainer came to speak to us, he was speaking to us about the, the Ethiopian guy who's, who's on his chariot coming through and he's reading the book of Isaiah and trying to work out what it all means. Back then and now, people who are not in, people who don't count themselves as in, are already seeking. They're already asking questions. They're already praying. God is already doing it. He's already on the move amongst other people. And I think that we can see that, actually. I think if we look out at our generation, if we look out at the people who we see, the way that they're exploring, the way that they're thinking about life, I think we see sort of shoots of spirituality popping up everywhere. And they might be what we would say sort of directed into the wrong place. But I think we see it. I think, you know, we see people who are interested in, they're interested in meditation. They're interested in mindfulness. They're interested in uh, alternative spiritualities. We kind of, maybe some of us assume that people outside of the faith, people who don't know Jesus yet, are not interested in knowing what the church is about, are not interested in knowing who Jesus is, not interested in being filled with the Spirit. But I don't think that's actually true. I think people are seeking a spiritual experience. People are seeking some meaning from outside of their own lives. And people are praying. God is on the move amongst people. Do you believe that this morning? And it's exciting. That's exciting for us because it means that we have this understanding or this perception or maybe the enemy wants to tell us that when we share our story, when we share about who Jesus is, people aren't going to be interested and so we don't bother. But actually, people are open. God is on the move already in people's lives. And that's what we see with Cornelius. He is out and yet he's praying and he's giving because the Spirit of God is moving in him. 
So let's not lose heart. You know, as we are people who gather like this every week and we gather in different ways and as we have our own personal journeys with the Lord as well, as we wait on the Spirit, let's be asking God to point out to us who are the people who are already asking questions? Who are the people in my life that I know who are actually already praying? who are maybe already giving to the poor, who are people who already have eyes to see that something bigger might be going on than just the world that we see immediately around us. And let's pray that God continues to stir the hearts of those we meet. So that's the first thing. He's already working in other people. Let's carry on with our story in Acts. I'm going to pick up chapter, um, verse nine. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey, so Cornelius's uh, men were on their journey, approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. I'm just going to pause there for a minute. Does that not encourage you? That even Peter went to pray, but he got hungry and distracted. I love that. Um, Peter became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the, man sent by, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. and Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guests. So now we have these two stories running alongside each other, don't we? Cornelius, who's praying and has a vision, telling him to send for Peter. And meanwhile, Peter is having his own vision. Peter has this bizarre, incredible vision of this mix of uh, kosher and non-kosher animals that he's commanded to get up to kill and eat. If you don't know, Peter was a was a good Jewish boy. He was a, he, he'd followed all of the commands all of his life. You know, he'd, he'd eaten kosher. He'd kept himself clean. He'd stayed away from all things that were unclean. That's how he'd lived his whole life. That was his whole culture. That was his whole understanding of how the world worked. And yet now, all of a sudden, he has God himself saying to him, things look different now. He's commanded to get up, to kill and to eat. And it's such a classic Peter moment, I love it. Because Peter responds, surely not, Lord. 
Remember we spoke about this last week. Peter said the same thing when, when Jesus told him that he was going to go to the cross. And Jesus had to rebuke him and say, no, get behind me, Satan. And when Jesus wanted to wash Peter's feet, again, Peter said, surely not, Lord. And again, Jesus had to rebuke him. So it's classic Peter. So even though last week we talk about the Holy Spirit moving and changing Peter ongoingly, still we see Peter is the same character. And that encourages me too, that God still uses him. And then the Spirit tells him to expect these three men to come and that he's to go with them. So point two, he's already working in us. What's happening in this vision? The Lord is showing Peter something. The Lord is showing Peter something that's not just about food. The Lord is showing Peter that he has made all things clean through Jesus. Where before there were these categories that he had to navigate of clean and unclean. Now in this moment, in the power of the Spirit, Peter faithfully follows the Spirit and sort of does away with those things. He invites the men who come into his home, into the home that he's staying in. That never would have happened before. A Jewish man would never have invited some Gentile men, non-Jewish men, into his home to sit and eat and to stay with them. That just wouldn't have happened. And yet this incredible vision that he sees of this mixture of these different animals helps Peter to understand and to see what it is that God is doing. And it's an incredible thing because Peter is staying at Simon the Tanner's house. Now, a tanner is somebody who works with animal hides to create leathers and skins. Simon the Tanner would have been unclean. You know, he's the sort of guy who, work, well, he works with dead things, with unclean animals. They use like animal urine to make the, um, the leather and to make the skins. You know, Simon the Tanner was, not a, was, was an unclean guy. Jewish people would have stayed well clear of a guy like that. And yet, Peter, before he's even had this vision, is already staying in this guy's house. God has already been on the move in Peter. And that's encouraging to us, isn't it? God is already working in other people and he's already working in us too. I wonder if you've ever had that, where you kind of know that God is speaking to you. You kind of know that he's telling you something. You kind of know that he's calling you into something, maybe calling you into something new or, uh, or calling you to make some kind of change in your life. But you think, like Peter, surely not, Lord. But actually, when you finally maybe submit to him, you finally maybe admit that the Lord has been speaking and you're going to go with what he says, you look back and see he was already doing it in you anyway. So God is already working in others and he's already working in us. And the incredible thing about this story is that the way that it ends, and I won't read it to you because it's a whole other, the rest of the ch next chapter of Acts, but do go away and read the whole of Acts 10 or listen to it. It's such an amazing story. But what happens is Peter goes with the men to Cornelius' house 
and he shares the gospel with them all. And the whole household are filled with the Spirit and Peter baptises them all. And that's the first time that they've seen people who are not Jewish filled with the Spirit. Isn't it incredible that Peter and Cornelius both had really strong visions of angels. The angel in Cornelius's vision could have told him the story of Jesus, could have told him there and then what the gospel was, what the good news was. But God insists on using Peter. And I would go as far as to say that God insists on using us. He insists on using us, which is why he's already working in other people and why he's already working in us. Because he wants to see that beautiful thing happen when we come together and we share the gospel with one another and we're filled with the Spirit. That's what God wants to see and that's what God helps us to do. I wanted to finish by reading to you from the end of chapter 10 and I wanted to read to you what Peter says to Cornelius and his household. He says this, this is um, verse 34, if you want to follow along, in Acts 10. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what's happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Amen. Why don't we stand? Maybe the band want to come and join me.